Well, the scripture for this morning is from 2 Samuel chapter 22, verses 1 through 20. That begins on page 342 in the Pew Bibles. Second Samuel 22, the first 20 verses, either just listen or read along to this portion of God's Word. And David spoke the words of this song to the Lord in the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. He said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior, you save me from violence. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. For the waves of death encompassed me, the torrents of destruction overwhelmed me, the cords of Sheol surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. Yes, I cried to my God. And from his temple, he heard my voice. And my cry for help came into his ears. Then the earth shook and quaked. The foundations of heaven were trembling and were shaken because he was angry. Smoke went up out of his nostrils, fire from his mouth devoured, coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also, and came down with thick darkness under his feet. And he rode, rode on a cherub and flew, and he appeared on the wings of the wind, and he made darkness canopies around him, a mass of waters, thick clouds of the sky. From the brightness before him, coals of fire were kindled. The Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered his voice. And he sent out arrows and scattered them, lightning and, and routed them. And then the channels of the sea appeared. The foundations of the world were laid bare by the rebuke of the Lord, as the blast of the nostril, the blast of the breath of his nostrils. He sent from on high, he took me, he drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He also brought me forth into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. I was just uh, talking recently to some uh, to somebody about how songs have the ability uh, to influence us, uh, influence our moods, or or give expression to our thoughts and our feelings and. And to be a blessing in various different ways that, that other means of communication and other things in life 
uh, really don't do in the same way. And I thought about how that's true even more especially in the Psalms. Uh, as we have the blessing of uh, these, these inspired songs in God's Word, uh, they give expression to our thoughts and to our feelings and, and help us worship in our lives. Uh, they really deal with a, a number of subjects and topics uh, that, uh, that, uh, that hymns uh, that are sung in other churches really don't touch. And today's passage begins our look at, at 2 Samuel 22, which, uh, in, in a slightly edited form, is Psalm 18. And this psalm helps to give expression to our hearts in hard times, in, in discouragement, in, when we face uh, opposition spiritually and otherwise. But it is also a praise uh, to the Lord for all, all that He has done and continues to do for us in, in saving us uh, from our spiritual foe and for uh, protecting us through this life. And it points us in, in many powerful ways uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the one who has saved us and the one who leads us forward. And we'll see all that over the next week or two as we work our way through. And we get uh, this week with, uh, with, with the point number one, praising the Lord in verses 1 through 4. Now last time we looked at uh, verse 15 through 22 of chapter 21, uh, which told us of four different Israelites who were enabled by the Lord to defeat four giant Philistine soldiers who opposed them. And in all that, we found the application of the Lord's strength given to us to, to fight our spiritual battles, finding help from one another as we go through life, and in following King Jesus together, who is our God and our Savior and our leader. And in this passage, we begin our look at chapter 22, which is a song written by David as he looks back over the course of his life and praises the Lord for all that he has done for him. In his providence, the Lord has brought David through many trials and strengthened him to endure and to remain faithful over the years. Now, David's song is, is useful for us uh, to praise the Lord for his strength and his grace at work in us over the course of our lives. Uh, praising him for what he has done for us. And this song points us in all of these things to David's greater son, Jesus Christ, who has both suffered along with us and suffered for us, and who leads us in victory. As we noted in previous weeks, uh, chapters 21 through 24 are, are an appendix to 2 Samuel, and our, our chapter 22 includes this rather lengthy song written by David. And as I noted earlier, it is in the Psalter, almost word for word, a few minor changes, as Psalm 18. And so we'll be singing through that psalm. Uh, we started uh, this week, and as we go through, we'll be singing selections from it. Verse 1 tells us that David spoke the word in the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand all the uh, that used here 
is uh, used in its broadest sense uh, to refer to the entirety of David's life as he looks back on it in his old age. And he sees how the Lord has rescued him from all his enemies. And he includes in there King Saul, who tried for many years, as we know, to kill him. Now this song is a personal song of praise to the Lord God, whom David knows and has belonged to for all of these years. There's a man who is now looking back over his life. It's interesting that he could write about his adventures. He could write about his greatness. But instead, he praises the Lord who has done so much for him. Commentator Hans Herzberg writes, David's history could have been narrated as that of a great and powerful king. This chapter, however, is concerned that it should be understood as the action of a great and powerful God. And so in this song, all the glory goes to God, not David, as he looks back over his life. Now the song begins in verses 2 through 7 with praise of the Lord God, and then a description of the great distress that David faced in his life over the course of it. In verses 2 and 3, uh, David praises the Lord by listing a series of descriptions of who the Lord is and, and what he does in David's relationship with him. And as we review these terms, these phrases, it's helpful for us to look back on our lives and think about the, how, the way in which the Lord has been these things for you and I as well. He is the Lord, or, or Yahweh in Hebrew, uh, the eternal I Am, who is the promise-making and promise-keeping God, who was and is and is to come, who is eternal. It is a, re it is a reminder that God is the God of covenant promises. When Moses was at the burning bush and, and was sent to, to set the Egyptian or the, uh, the Israelites free from Egypt, he asked, who should I say has sent me? And the Lord responds in Exodus 3 and 15, the Lord, or Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this, my title for all generations. And so this name reminds us not only of God's nature as the eternal God, the I Am, but it also reminds us that He is a God who makes and keeps promises. And He has done that in our lives, in the promise of the Gospel, and He is good for it as we've taken hold of Christ by faith. He is then described here with a series of images and, and terms. David next calls the Lord my rock. And this particular word for rock refers to a rock with a, a split or a cleft in it that provides shelter and, and shade in a harsh climate. Now through David's many trials and, and running from Saul and running from Absalom and many other times that he was in distress in his life, the Lord provided David with shelter. Uh, both physical and spiritual shelter. In discouraging times, 
the Lord hid David and protected him. And so he was a rock to David in many instances in his distress. David then calls the Lord my fortress, which is a, a fort, um, a strong place of defense and security when, when David was under attack. So David calls the Lord my deliverer, the one who causes us to escape or to bring or to bring one to safety. In verse 3, David calls the Lord my God. That is, he confesses him as his God, the one true God, the one that he trusts in, the one that he believes in, the one whom he worships, the one whom he knows personally. He then calls the Lord my rock again, but in the Hebrew, this is a different word than the one previously used. And this specific word refers to a huge boulder or a rock that creates distance from enemies when you stand on top of it or, or clear sight of them uh, when, when you are on top of it. And it is also a very strong defensive position. The Lord is this for him. He is a rock. And he adds there the phrase, the one in whom I take refuge. The Lord calls, or David then calls the Lord my shield. And that is one that uh, provides protection from assaults. We're reminded here of the spiritual protection that the Lord provides for him and, and for us as we trust in him and his promises. And he keeps us safe from the devil's attacks and from the assaults that we face from those who oppose in the world around us, who would seek to bring us down in our faith. He calls the Lord the horn of my salvation. That is not a phrase we typically use in our culture, but it refers to an animal's horns being used for, for fighting and for protection. Think of a, a ram. And so the Lord is the one who saves David by his power and strength. And he is the one who supplies power and strength to his people. He calls the Lord my stronghold, which refers to a, a, a high tower in which we are saved. And my refuge, again, a place to escape to that is safe. And he closes the list of images by calling the Lord my Savior. You save me from violence. The Lord is David's Savior who rescues him from the violent men who seek his life over the course of his life. And yet this term Savior goes much deeper than that. The Lord God is the one who has saved David from the due punishment for his sins by his grace and mercy. And so Savior isn't just meaning saving in battle or saving from defeat or death physically. David notes in Psalm 51 after his adultery and murder, Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation. The ultimate salvation that David knows is salvation of his soul. Salvation not just from enemies in this life, but for eternity. 
And the physical rescues that the Lord worked for him were tokens of this more significant salvation that he knew in God's forgiveness and the giving of eternal life. Notice as well as we work through these that David is personal in his references to the Lord. He, the Lord in these references isn't just a rock or a savior, but my rock and my savior. And so the connections here and the things that the Lord is to him aren't merely theoretical, they're personal. He has taken hold of the Lord by faith and the, the Lord does these things for him in relationship with him. And his connection with the Lord has been experienced powerfully in his life. And has been active throughout it to protect him physically, but most importantly, to be with him through all of life. Encouraging him and forgiving him and protecting and growing him spiritually. As David writes in Psalm 34, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants, and none of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Then in verse 4, David tells us, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. God is awesome and glorious and worthy of worship and praise. I hear that, that we are, are to be praising God even as we ask uh, to be uh, rescued from our enemies. As we uh, pray through the, the Lord's Prayer, we did a pattern of that together a few moments ago. We praise Him and to hallow His name. But then later in the prayer we say, deliver us from evil or from the evil one. And then we, we live this life to seek, as we live this life, we seek to resist the devil's influence and the temptations he places around us. And so we continue to pray for that deliverance. And we, we thank the Lord that he will keep us spiritually safe as we put on the full armor of God. And as we resist the devil and and the things of this world in his strength. And we also pray as we do for brothers and sisters in Afghanistan and around the world for physical protection from persecution and harm as well. The Lord often has a very complicated um, plans as he works that out, and we know that he's pleased at times to allow persecution for his purposes. It is also good to pray uh, that He would deliver us from those things. That He would strengthen believers even as they undergo persecution. And that He would use it all for His glory and the growth of His kingdom. Well, second, David's distress in verses 5 through 7. And in these verses, David presents his distresses in, in very vivid and poetic language. As he looks back, his life, he can recall many times in which his life was in danger and he was running from enemies or, or enemies or discouraged by various hard situations. Uh, when King Saul was seeking to kill him, 
You may recall that he told Jonathan in 1 Samuel 20 and 3, But as truly as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, there is hardly a step between me and death. And he wrote in Psalm 31, My life is spent with sorrow and my, tear, my ears with sighing. My strength has failed because of my iniquity, and my body has wasted away. I have heard the slander of many. Terror is on every side to take away my life. Of our troubles and the good having God's word and prayer to be able to lift up was on the run for years. You'll recall that there was civil war after Saul's death. There were many battles with various enemies over the years and the decades. And then his son Absalom rose up in rebellion and tried to take his life. In our verses 5 through 7, David expresses all of that as he looks back on those troubles in very picturesque language that, that shows his heart. It shows how intense and distressing his situations were for him. He describes them in various ways. They were like waves of death all around him. The picture there is of, of being on a beach and the waves unexpectedly throw you around and knock you off your feet and knock you down into the water. And David sometimes was doing that to him, was throwing him down. Torrents of destruction refers to a, a flooding river and how it destroys everything in his path. And so David is, is feeling this as he looks back at what he felt earlier in his life, that his troubles at times were completely overwhelming to him. And they brought him near to death. Verse 6 describes the cords of Sheol, or the grave, that were all around him, and the snares of death confronting him. And so he felt tied down and trapped by death, and the threat of death. And there was no way he could see to escape. And we can think of Saul and Absalom and so many others who opposed him. And all kinds of distresses that seemed like that they would triumph over him. David's poetic expressions are helpful because they come under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And they can help us to express the deep distress that we sometimes feel. When we encounter great difficulties in life or the assaults of the devil or opposition in this world or the pain of being in a, in a world that has fallen and broken. Life can be overwhelming at times and circumstances can knock us down spiritually and, and discourage us and leave us feeling hopeless. Yet notice what David does in verse 7. In his distress... He called upon the Lord. He cried out to his God. And from his temple the Lord heard his voice and his cry for help. 
Now in Old Testament times, the temple was where the Lord dwelt in a special way among his people. It is where the sacrifices for, for sin were offered for his people. And it is where believers directed their prayers toward the temple because those things occurred there. Psalm 5 verse 7 says, But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. And that reminds us that at all times, and especially in distressing and disoriented and overwhelming times, we look to the Lord in prayer and recall all that He has done, continues to do for us by His grace. How He brought you to Himself and in His fellowship. How He brought you forgiveness and a place in His kingdom by His grace. And then the, the promised Messiah who is God with us. He is God and became also fully man and dwelt among us. Jesus fulfilled the animal sacrifices that were made at that temple year after year. Back then, the, the wrath of God for sin was placed on the animal as a substitute. And it was sacrificed. But that was done day after day, year after year. Until Jesus came and fulfilled that picture by giving himself for the sins of those who would trust in him. Jesus came to be the Lamb, the final and perfect sacrifice. As we're reminded in Isaiah 53, He was here for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon Him. And by His scourging here, all those who trust in Him are, are covered in His righteousness, are forgiven uh, by His sacrifice, are reconciled to God. And are given eternal life in a relationship with Him. And so as David prayed toward the temple, we pray in Jesus' name. And we know that we are heard because of the salvation that we have in Him. Jesus is our mediator. He is the great high priest who intercedes for us on the basis of His own sacrifice. Hebrews 7 tells us, Jesus, because He continues forever, holds His priesthood permanently. Therefore, He is able to save forever those who draw near to God through Him. Since He always lives. And so, we lift our prayers to Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, who makes us heard to God the Father. And David's psalms are helpful to us because we can relate to the hardships and the sufferings that he expresses. But in a greater sense, they also point us to Jesus and his greater suffering in fulfillment of them. David's greater son fulfills David's psalms even more than David did. For instance, in Psalm 22, David wrote... But Jesus ultimately fulfilled these words. For dogs have surrounded me, a band of evildoers has encompassed me. They pierced my hands. They look, they stare at me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. And that psalm and so many others refer, yes, 
to David and his, his expression of the persecution and the hardship that he endured in his life. But they are ultimately fulfilled in the greater persecution, the greater suffering of Jesus Christ, the one who suffered for us and for our salvation. Isaiah 53 tells us of Jesus, the suffering servant. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised. Jesus, our Savior, humbled himself, and he knew great suffering in this life. And he was finally rejected and crucified. And he did it all to redeem sinners you and me. He experienced the rejection of many. And in the end, he heard the crowd shout, crucify him. He knew the betrayal of his friend and disciple Judas. He knew Peter's denial. He knew the scattering of the disciples when he was arrested. And he was beaten and mocked and nailed to a cross. And on the cross he knew the wrath of God poured out on him for the sins of his people. Matthew 27 reminds us, They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. After twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they knelt down before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They sat on him. And took the reed and began to beat him on the head. And they crucified him. Jesus on the cross, Matthew 27 tells us that about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So he fulfills that psalm in a way that, that David never did. For God forsook him as he bore our sins. But God the Father raised him from the dead and salvation is found in him alone. Peter says in Acts 4, Let it be known to all of you that Jesus Christ the Nazarene whom you crucified, God raised from the dead. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the key cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. And so David's suffering not only reminds us of our suffering, but it points us to the greater suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ and the salvation found in Him alone, a Savior who saved us by His work and who knows what suffering is. We have a Savior who knows sadness and grief and the hostility of others and betrayal and all of the hardships that we face in life. We have a Savior who is a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And so we can pray knowing that He understands and that He is ready for us. And we are assured that He will never leave us or let us go. And so what a wonderful blessing it is to have such a Savior.
And third and finally, the Lord's powerful rescue in verses 8 through 20. And in these verses, David tells of what the Lord did for him as he read. Verses 8 through 17 describe the Lord's rescue in very poetic and powerful images once again. The earth shook as the Lord reacted to in action and anger, and even the mountains shook. The smoke and fire here uh, show the Lord's action and His anger. And they recall the Lord's presence and power adoring and after the Exodus. The same sort of language that we find in Exodus. In our verses, He comes down on dark clouds accompanied by uh, angels. And He sends arrows of lightning in the sky and stirs up the sea so that the bottom of it can be seen and He creates a great storm. And you'll hear echoes here of, of uh, Moses' song that was read earlier from Exodus chapter 15. Dale Ralph Davis comments, Why do we need this picture of God's intervention? Why didn't David simply say, And Yahweh intervened in dramatic ways? He could have summed it up in one declarative sentence. But David doesn't merely want to tell you a fact about Yahweh. He wants you to see Yahweh in all His saving fury. Sometimes we need vivid reminders of the power and the glory of the God who saved us and who holds us in His hands. He has glory. When He allows hard things to happen to us, sometimes we can lose sight of just how awesome and powerful and glorious He is, and how He is always with us, and how He comes to our spiritual aid in time of need, as well as bringing change to our circumstances as He sees fit, according to His plan. Paul reminds us in Ephesians 1, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you will know what is the hope of His calling and what is the surpassing greatness of His power toward us who believe. The triune God has all power and Jesus Christ has all authority as the risen Messiah and He rules over all things for the church. And so we are in good and incredibly powerful the Almighty and Triune God had acted to rescue David time and again. And David reflects on those rescues as displays of God's amazing power used to fulfill promises to him. And let us not forget the Lord's saving work in your life and his preserving of you to this point. Now that may not seem as dramatic as David's life. You might not put it in poetic terms as he does here. But we could. Because it is amazing and wonderful and miraculous what God has done in your life. To save you and to preserve you. Ephesians 2 tells us, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. 
But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him. You have been raised from spiritual death. The Lord has done a miracle in your life to bring you up from the dead. And you now belong to Him. And He brings you through all of the spiritual uh, sufferings and challenges and difficulties of this life and the assaults of the devil. And He will continue to do that. In heaven, the triune God is praised and worshipped for His merciful and miraculous saving work for us. Revelation 7, 9 and 10, paint this picture. I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That should be the cry of our hearts as well as we think of the miracle of our salvation. And God's preserving us through the hard and difficult things of life in our belonging to Him. In verse 17, David then describes the Lord's rescue of him with one more poetic image. He sent from on high and took me. He drew me out of many waters. The Lord is pictured here essentially as the divine lifeguard who rescued him from drowning. And the imagery here once again recalls the Exodus where God parted the Red Sea so that Israel could escape. And it was the Egyptians who were drowned in the sea. Moses writes in Exodus 15, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. And the Lord has rescued you and me from our sins and from the works of the devil. And so we can sing that same, that same thing in praise. Then in verses 18 through 20, David states, God do of him in less poetic and more concrete terms. Uh, but the recounting of the Lord's acts of rescue are, are no less wonderful. In 18 and 19, he plainly states that the enemy was strong and more powerful than him. The Lord rescued him. He would have been defeated in a day of calamity, but the Lord was his support. And so instead of death and, and defeat at the hands of his enemies, David experienced rescue by the Lord God who loves him and takes care of him. And verse 20 then adds that the Lord brought him to a broad place. Now the image there is being taken from a tight or small space of confinement and distress and being brought into a wide open space of freedom and safety. Then verse 20 closes by, by saying why the Lord did this. He rescued me because he delighted in me. By God's grace alone, he found delight in David. 
as he finds delight in all of his chosen children, as he finds delight in you and in me. God has saved, saved us and rescued us from sin and death and the devil by his sovereign love and delight in us. We're reminded in Ephesians 1, in love he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. We are the light of And he has done great things to redeem us. And so we praise Him and thank Him for His love, for His rescue, for His care of us through all the things of life. In closing, as with David, we can look back on our lives and see many ways in which the Lord has brought us through various trials and difficulties, both physical and spiritual. And He has strengthened us to remain faithful and to grow us in our walks with Him by the Holy Spirit who indwells us. And as David's son and God's rescue are displayed here, we can also see pictures of the Savior who suffered for us and in whom we have victory. May we rejoice in all that Jesus has done for the rescue that He has accomplished for us in that salvation and the tokens of His mercy and love through all of life and its hardships and challenges. May we be calling out to Him through all of life, knowing that He will never leave us or forsake us, as we praise Him for His deliverance of us. And let's pray together. Lord God, we do thank You for this portion of Your Word and uh, ask that you would apply it to our hearts. Uh, like, like, uh, like David, we have uh, known difficulties in this life. And uh, they will continue to come, no doubt, until uh, we are brought home to see you. But we thank you and praise you that we have a Savior who has suffered even greater uh, hardships than we have. Gave himself to redeem us from sin. We have a suffering Savior who knows what it's like and who is our, our uh, intercessor as we pray to him or through him to the Father. We do thank you and praise you for, uh, for Jesus Christ and for the salvation that you have given to us in him. And we ask that, that you would encourage and strengthen us. Uh, in, in our lives, that we would reflect on all that you have done for us, that we would rejoice in the gift of your salvation and the gift of Christ, and that we would live lives that, that glorify you. We thank you for uh, all of the ways in which you uphold us as we face our enemies, our spiritual enemies, the, 
the things that the devil would put before us. We thank you uh, for all your your uh, strength to us in the Holy Spirit and the, the armor that we are called upon to put on as we face this life. And we thank you that you give us assurance of your blessing and presence with us. And we thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.